The following show is being broadcasted from an undisclosed location. Two former special operators have combined their badassery and now sharing it with the world. They ain't alive no more. All with a beer and a smile. This is the Savage Actual Podcast. And now your hosts combat vets with 20 plus deployments between the two of them and enough testosterone to operate the power grid of Los Angeles. Savage Actual. Now your hosts, Jason and Patrick. All right, what's up everybody? I'm Jason, one of two hosts with Savage Actual. I got my co-host, Mr. Patrick Mulcher. What's up, brother? What's going on, guys? Thanks for joining us. And we have a special guest today, a fellow O-Tree 21, Mr. Bo Engelbert, a recondo, did about nine years in the Marine Corps. Uh, right after the Marine Corps, went into the WIP State Department aspect, and after that, went into uh, something similar that I did, GRS with the CIA, for about, I think, eight years. And uh, here we are, having this lovely man in his attire and nice, cozy background. So uh, welcome to the channel, man. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here in my own home. Yeah, good <laughs> yeah, good to see you, brother. Good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah. So uh, Patrick and I, you know, the special operations community, as a lot of you know, uh, we cross pollinate, like, you know, all these different branches. We bump into each other. Patrick on the Navy's uh, Naval Special Warfare side, myself on the Recondo, Marsoc side, Bo Recondo. Like, we all kind of like intertwine in this very small community. It's really not a large uh, number of guys. And somehow amongst our friendship, Bo Engelbert came up and uh, I was like, yeah, I know, I know Bo. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Patrick told me how, how he knew you. So we all, we call it kind of fucking Sherry, man. And then I've heard your name for years through some of the brothers too, man. So it's, uh, it's nice to have your, your personality. So it's like three before we get into it. from how you got herpes from fucking uh, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Stair. No. <laughs> it's very similar to uh, Kevin Bacon. Yeah, uh, except on the the STD level, man, for sure. Uh, out of all all my friends and fellow psychopath recondos, Bo's probably got the most unique personality. So uh, we're, we're gonna have a wild time, man. So I don't know, Patrick. How do you want to start this off, dude? You want to do the uh, the progression of things, like? Yeah, I think let's let's kick it off how we usually do, especially when we got a, a guest that's kind of got a history. We like to sort of start off. You know, a little bit about your background, man, where you grew up. Like, uh, let's yeah. let's kind of go through your life a little bit, man. Like, what, where were you born, grow up? Like, what got you into the Marine Corps? Well, I grew up a pole black child. And uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I grew up in basically South Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia. But, like, my family moved around a bit. They're kind of gypsies. My mother's Puerto Rican. My dad was... Uh, Degenerate ended up in prison, so she got remarried to this uh, sort of waspy family. Uh, and <laughs> so it's like I got to see like a, a wide spectrum of the socioeconomic world, you know, at a young age. Uh, I, I mean, I've been around the world twice, but the place where I always call home is San Diego. I love it there. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's just under enemy occupation currently, but hopefully one day the, the things will close. <laughs> uh, I. This podcast episode is sponsored by Iron Fire Brewing. 
Iron Fire Brewing is a Southern California favorite, creating craft beers from the finest ingredients. Iron Fire Brewing creates unique beers with classic tiki drink-inspired flavors, amazing lagers, and more. Iron Fire Brewing can be shipped directly to your home by going to craftshack.com and search for Iron Fire Brewing. Uh, in September 11th, 2001, I watched the fucking planes go into the uh, tower while I was in Mr. Hofer's class in physics and uh, senior year. And like I was like all fucking charged up. Let's do this. And then three months later, mission accomplished. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll go to school. So I moved out to San Francisco with my sister. Went to school at a community college in San Francisco, just city college. And then when we invaded Iraq, uh, I was like dropped out. Joined the Marines the next day because the way I saw it is how could every other generation of Americans here to call the arms? And I feigned being deaf. So I was just like, all right, let's get some. Not just all the some. I want it the motherfucking all. Give me all of yours, you know? And then after you fucking do that for a little bit, you realize, you know what? I can leave some for somebody else because I'm only getting paid yeah. like, a month or something like that. So, yeah. It was an interesting apprenticeship, in, you know, in the, in, in, the, in the field of arms. You know, it's like, People went to school for eight years to be a doctor. I went to school for eight years to be a fucking killer. And at the end of the day, it kind of the the pay is comparable. Get a little bit more time, <laughs> off, but it's like instead of lawsuits, I got to worry about fucking income. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me ask you this, man. Like, why? You know, it's a question we ask everyone, dude. But like, why? Why the Marine Corps? And then following that, why recon? Apple pie and baseball is why fucking I wanted to go in there to begin with. Uh, really why the Marine Corps is because the fucking army recruiter blew me off. I was, uh, I was on a lunch break from fucking just doing work or something. I, I came in. Uh, I was like, I only had like an hour. And I, I walk in. The army guy, was, I was like, I was like, what do you want to do? I was like, I, like, I want to be an airborne ranger. He's like, all right, well, hold on. I've got other shit going on. Whatever. Come back. So I walk out, as I'm walking out, the Marine recruiter's walking in, Staff Sergeant Corbett, uh, former scout sniper, uh, and he's like, what do you want to do? He's like, I want to be an airborne ranger. He's like, I can get you infantry. We don't have that shit. He's like, all right, well, fucking contract. Sign me. And then, you know, shortly thereafter, I was gone. Fucking joined the Marine Corps. Yeah. Why recon? Uh, Because it was, you know, it was the best game. Well, actually, I'll say it like this. When I... I went to fucking stood on the yellow footprints. I think November tenth, two thousand and three. I went through boot camp SOI, and my entire graduating class from SOI went right to the units that were already overseas. That were like, yeah, we need fucking seven guys in two seven, eight guys, in, you know, three five, or whomever was in theater. Because all those combat replacements. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and went over there. I, my first fucking deployment was with like two five in Ramadi, and then because I was uh-huh. on temporary orders, uh, I got sent back. And then I went like so. I I came back before my even unit was because like they could only legally hold me for however long. Uh, it was the weirdest sort of thing the way it worked. And then I went to the next next deploying unit, which was two six. And then we went to Fallujah, and then. Uh, I finished that deployment and then like, as I was, that's my dog giving an itch. 
Um, as I, I and like they, at the at the time the pool opened up to hey fucking anybody who wants to go recon, fucking the doors are wide open. They the, your command can't hold you back. And uh, I I I applied. Fuck well, just did what I had to do. Passed swim ball, went to school, and and then I got my girlfriend pregnant shortly thereafter. <laughs> And they were offering a $72,000 bonus for the stay in, you know, the stay in yeah. the Marine. So I was like, that's a lot of money when you're, you know, 22 years old and a new father. And even though, my, yeah. yeah, so I was just like, well, fuck it. Four more to the core. Uh, and then got back out of that. So that's, that's, that's sort of my life in a nutshell in terms of my service. So that yeah, was- man. Bring it, dialing in a little bit more. Uh, you know, I remember the first time in my life I started hearing about recon and when that that transition happened where I started really taking an interest in six-man teams behind enemy lines. It's kind of what you first heard, right? So, like, were you in SOI? Were you in at 2-5 when you first started hearing about it? And like, what did you hear about recon or even seeing them that kind of made you, that pushed you over the edge for recon? Uh, well, that... At- at the time, it was just like that was just the, the only special operations sort of cool guys we had in the Corps. So it's like right. you go to sniper platoon, which you had to at the time. And at the time, sniper platoons were only like a team. So there was like eight or six to eight snipers in an entire fucking infantry battalion. So it's like even if you're caught into that, like like one, you have the screener and all that other type of shit. Then you're also still tied to the whole yeah free world you know so the yep. i was really considering a fucking career anyway like i just wanted to get the fuck out of the infantry because the difference between my <laughs> uh and the and you know and oh oh four to the next one and like what when i was in fallujah it's like the it was a lot more kinetic in the beginning in the first deployment and it's like the, there was clear battle lines drawn and, and then when we were when i was with two six in fallujah like uh we were basically sort of a police, but there's a lot of IDs, snipers, complex ambushes. Like I didn't feel like I was hunting. So I wanted to fucking be the hunter, you know? And, uh, and I, as we came back from that deployment, there was enough time on my contract where I was going right the fuck back to the same goddamn place. And I was like, ugh, I, I don't want to do that shit again. Mm-hmm. I want to be a hunter and I want to fucking go out there and, you know, punch back again. Not that I didn't fucking, you know, get my sum on that deployment, but like I, I wanted a different mission profile and recon yeah. was the game in town. So, I mean, if I did could you, do did you have any uh, contact with any special operations guys when you were on either one of your deployments, recon or anybody else for that matter? I mean, you see people with fucking cooler shit than you. Like I, I, we, we did some hits with seals in Fallujah at the time, but like it, 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 that, it, it especially if it came from like a different branch of service, like they're not even real to me. You know, it's like, it's like yeah. having a different nation's army fucking be in there next to you. Like, yeah, okay. yeah. But I remember being in uh, O.P. Henry uh, in the middle of Fallujah along Fran, like Henry, the two thoroughfares, uh, when after my buddy Snyder got hit, like the snipers came up, set up shop in their own thing. Like after we sort of won the gunfight and got my buddy out of there, uh, it's like just seeing that elevated level of skill and knowledge and just like just applied like and then also when they weren't fucking you know setting up urban hides and doing that type of shit 
they were like back in the main and on main side. Well, you know, Blue <laughs> or I think it was like Camp, whatever the Blue, Camp was. Blue, for the, Blue Diamond. No, no, not Blue Diamond. That was Ramadi. Uh, but the one right outside Fallujah where Uday and Huday used to fucking like murder people and shit. I, I forget what yes, the, I think it was the Mech camp. Well, there was the one I was at the Mech in 04, same year. Yeah. And there was that little one as you came out of the, the Mech and made a left west back towards the Cloverleaf. And it was on the north side of the road. It was a smaller base. So you talking yeah. about that little one? Yeah, that little one. Because at the beginning yeah. of the deployment, we were rotating like one squad of, of like once every two weeks. You could go there for like three days and chill. And like the water, you could splash around in it if you wanted. But anyway, that was like the sniper's primary fucking base, either like because that's where the battalion headquarters was. So it's like, like if they weren't actively in a mission, they were able to fucking chill and do the mission planning in a semi-rear passive environment, as opposed to just fucking living and grinding it out in the fucking city day in day out. Right. So it was like right. nice to climb the fucking ladder to get away from that shit. Yeah, man. Uh so what year – I got to ask you this because I'm a 3-5 guy. I was a 5th Marines dude as a grunt. What year were you with 2-5? So, oh, 4. Yeah. Cause, uh, so did you did you know Matt Abate, Jordan Laird, uh, any of the snipers from 2-5 at that point? No. I mean, even then, like – because I went in as a patch. Like, I actually got hooked up to a certain degree. I was on Blue Diamond because uh, because I was a short-timer. They didn't actually attach me to a fucking – like a line company, I Got was it. attached to a headquarters element, so I was like a like a PSD for yeah. the, the colonel and shit. So like it was a pretty fucking rad setup. Like I was like, but I was detached and far away. Like, and, and because I didn't have a backstory, they didn't know who the fuck I was. All the people who I originally went over with were either shit bags who were going to get kicked out for doing drugs. Uh, uh, Short timers who kind of got who kind of got stop lost or whatever the course like no you ain't going anywhere and then brand, brand new fresh boots so I I was I think a Lance Corporal at that time if anybody asked me what my story was oh yeah I got a fucking DUI busted down the Lance Corporal and this is my way of not getting you know kicked out or whatever the fuck it was like that was my story so that way people thought I had you know. Not that anybody had any real fucking like deployment under the belt prior to that, unless you went to Afghanistan or some other shit. It's like, but so it's like you, I, I was able to at least fake, you know, fake a funk that would hide the fact that I was a fucking fresh boot. <laughs> That's crazy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. So you go to what unit, what, what recon unit? Would you go to first? I was at second. And then uh, I deployed second. I re-enlisted to go to first MSOB. I went over there. And right. at selection, I got kicked out of MSOB because when I was asked, what's the thing you hate most about being in the Marine Corps? And I think I wrote down on the questionnaire, uh, dealing with idiot lifers. So when they brought that question, <laughs> I sat in front of a bunch of E9s and a couple of O's. None of whom, had, I believe, served an actual a fucking recon unit or anything like that. Like, what the fuck does this mean? But, you know, not in the course, but I was like, well, is this is this towards the end? Like after you finish and there's like okay, a board right. or whatever? All the selection. I was, I, it was the, that was the fucking final board. And it was like, what did you, you know, I was like, what did you mean by this? And I was like, to me, there's two types of people who spend a career in the Marine Corps. There's lifers and careerists. 
careerists, develop the Marines professionally and personally, and put mission accomplishment at the forefront. You have lifers, probably couldn't do anything else, who care more about fucking haircuts and uniforms than mission accomplishment. And to, to that, they're, 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 it's not the same caliber, but it's, it's, it's there, but pe- people misalign the two, you know? And then, right, right. Maybe if I would have stopped there, I might have got away with it. <laughs> But you couldn't do that. No, no, I could never. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a guy that people love to hate because I got a big fucking mouth and I drop fresh content every day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, to further prove my point, I said you take a first-term Marine and a shitbag. Both of them get do four years in the court. And the shitbag slides his way through the entire time, who ends up just getting out and doing nothing. You know, like, he never even picks up corporal. We have a good, strong first-term Marine who does his MCIs, picks up corporal, is a leader amongst men. But because he wants to get out of the Marine Corps, he gets treated the exact same as the fucking shitbag. And And that's 100% true. And I guarantee when they fucking heard that, because that's... (laughs) Fuck, they treated their junior goddamn Marines who wanted to get out after four. They were like, you know what? Fuck that, dude. Because the same way, like, that's just my own interpretation. And I know in my heart of hearts it's true because the second I walked back into the doors of First Marine, the MSOB, my fucking Sergeant Major was like, you are fucking retarded. You <laughs> were on a board full of Ena, like a bunch of lifers, and you tell them to go fuck themselves? So I know how he how it came back to them, <laughs> and you know what? Like I said before, I've been called a lot of things: sexist, racist, homophobic, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when people aren't busy fucking giving me compliments, the one thing they never motherfucking call me is a liar, you know, because I tell the truth, whether you want to hear it or not, and let the chips fall where they may. But I'm not a fucking liar. Yeah, <laughs> you know, every man that I've been friends with. You know, woman too, you know, like nothing sexier. Just anyone that's like, I've really admired has been just like, you know, in the back of my head, I've always been like, I wish I could be as blunt as that fucking person, you know? And yeah. We're all blunt amongst mere mortals, right? But like, there's the, the, the caliber of guys that are just like fucking blap. And I'm like, God damn, dude, that dude, there was no, there was no filter there. I love that, man. So yeah, I, I can appreciate that shit, dude. Well, I'll tell you that. You're right. To push back on, not push back on. But the one thing I definitely learned from that experience was how language is a fucking tool. And if you really want to be heard and understood, how you can craft your words to bring in the most people is what truly makes you fucking powerful. Which is ultimately why I left, you know, living the pirate's life and decided to come back to school. I currently live in New York City. I go to Columbia University. I'm about to wrap up my undergrad in philosophy. It's like where... It's taught me how to turn my words into the most dangerous weapon in my arsenal so that way I can fight for peace without having to go back to war. You know? So it's uh the beat. Amen. I, I don't I don't want like so like yeah, I might fucking say the the, the hard truth, but I'm learning how to refine it. So uh, instead of <laughs> an action, I want to use the fucking, you know, surgical tool, a little whatever the hell. Well, dude, I, I mean fuck dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna spell on that one dude i think we're all kind of at that fucking point now dude I, I, the testosterone is a little bit more fleeting out of the body i think that's something 
years later after warfare now that we're in our 40s and fucking 50s you know late 30s for some guys uh i think that's the natural progression dude you realize like fuck dude like it's it's you see the way things were 15 20 years ago now it's like what you just said with words and thought and fucking I don't know. It's a different perspective on warfare now. And I'm still all about wielding a fucking hatchet if I needed to, but it's, I don't know, man. Young it's, men uh, for action, old men for counsel, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, that's exactly it's, it's age brings wisdom. And yeah. ho- hopefully with that, some, some of that refinement in, in what you say and how you say it, you know? Mm. Well, I can how was, how was uh, Columbia brother as a, as a well, one how's how's it going back to school you know full-time especially <laughs> with younger people and just a guy like yourself with our our background you know pipe hitting for the last 20 years how how has your experience been you know assimilating into that school life well, to well be honest, it's it's a, a quick quick comment on that it's i think you and i bo and i chatted like about eight months ago when that story came out about columbia university being the least respectful of free speech of all the the you know the major colleges and i think we chatted about that for a couple minutes and it's it's like (laughs) i i i struggle to think that you walk the halls there without uh having people fucking look at you with a little bit of disdain with the way that you uh are are very open and and forward about what you say and do well to be fair i think a lot of that shit is clickbait to try to get people to go. And I mean, Columbia is an easy target to hit. Uh, it's in New York City and all that other type of jazz. But I can honestly say the student body has been nothing but respectful and uh, appreciative of my perspective. You know, like okay. these kids are fucking smart, you know? And, uh, and, and uh, they came here to actually use their goddamn minds. like. Columbia is number one in academics, but like in an Ivy League, I mean, they're all fucking smart as hell jerk-offs, but it's like, uh, so I, I haven't, I've only had an issue, really, an issue with like one student and uh, maybe a couple professors, but I can honestly say a lot of the professors I've had also have been, try to be as, try to remove themselves, their, or their own personal perspective from what they're teaching and just try to show, present the information. Now, there's a, there is a few ideologues, like I'm currently in a class, not going to mention it, uh, where I, every, there's a guest speaker every week, and thus far, every guest speaker has been a radical activist. So it's like, in this one, that's one teacher, but also, to be fair to that professor, it's, I'm being exposed to a different culture and a different perspective, and if that is an element of that culture... That activist really has a right to fucking be there because it's if they're being a voice for how that part of the, the, the perspective is. So I, yeah. I I can be fair to that. Now, in terms of do you think do you think there's ever a balance at all? Because I would you saying that like these people that come out are you would see them as a radical activist. Do you also get exposed to the opposite side of that? Well, it's funny you may may say that because. There's a fucking communist club on Columbia, which that's hilarious. I just want to go in to just see what these <laughs> look like. Because like you have the people from the elite institution claiming to be the worker or the or the underprivileged. But that's a side note. So 
Jordan Peterson. I went to go see Jordan Peterson speak last night. Oh, interesting, interesting. He spoke at the law school down in Midtown. Uh, and when I went down there, it's like uh, it was a there was a, another club that was that brought him in uh, called the John Jay Society. And it, uh, but either way, it's like there are conservative positions and people, but like uh, Jordan Peterson didn't speak on the main campus, but it was also for a smaller, you know, group. But uh, so yes, you you can get other speakers, but it also wasn't mass promoted on campus. Uh, so it's that you have access to, you know, if you, if you, if you're looking for it, I, I believe, you know, I found the things that I wanted. Uh, and I, I've also done things to push back on the fucking school, uh, that, that I thought were goddamn ridiculous. And I got fucking dragged in front of the goddamn disciplinary board where they tried to kick me out. And Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, for what? For what? I gotta ask. So I was taking a class called the, the Russian Trickster, which which is it studies. That's a class. That's a class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's it studies the trickster trope in Russian literature. They've now expanded it to just the trickster, where it kind of goes into other cultures and things of that nature. Now, for I think on like our first or second class, like uh, we were exposed to different types of tricksters, like Bart Simpson, fucking uh, Joaquin Phoenix's performance in The Joker, uh, you know, Borat. You know, various other other ones, like I and, and the variants of what the trickster is or what it can be. So, we had an assignment, we had a thousand word essay due on Friday, and um, and then watch Borat, and we're going to critique Borat in class on Thursday. <laughs> Rather than watch Borat, I decided to become Borat. So I got dressed up, but not as Borat, as in my own variants of the trickster. I went to the center of campus in the middle of the quad on the sundial, fucking megaphone out and just, blah, this was. Oh, dude, is that was the shit that was on your uh, Instagram? I saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, yeah, I dropped all that shit and uh, it was pretty well received. And they used that. I used that as in place of writing a thousand word essay. And then when we critiqued my performance in class, you know, it was just like my professor went into the how it didn't properly formulate like as to what it was uh to, it wasn't the full trickster so then i went back out the next day and tried to do it again sharpen my character uh <laughs> interesting thing about what happened on that second day though was my character was more aggressive it was just like it, it uh there still wasn't nuance he was a very transgressive guy and i was like like you know, war's coming and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, oh, I fought in the siege. I'm coming back to swear. Like, I was a big fucking monster. And I see this motherfucker look at me from across campus and start walking <laughs> directly up to me. And I'm like, I'm just thinking, oh, come on, motherfucker, because I can resist anything except temptation. And as soon as he gets in front of me, he says, dude, are you okay? Are you hungry? You need something to eat. And I <laughs> all the wind out of my sails, because here I was getting ready to fucking you know, fucking do battle and be a fucking monster. And the guy just was like, I just thought to myself, like, I'm just being a goddamn prick. So I just got the fuck off my little soapbox and uh, <laughs> ended up talking to a dude who was a Marine. And it's like, and, and we ended up developing a friendship and just had a couple dinners. And he's, he's a friend of mine now. And I really appreciate him and, and what he did for me because he saw me potentially spazzing out and was trying to help. 
Now, the back story of how this all came to be, I get reached out to by the Veterans Liaison at Columbia, and uh, I think they were bracketing to see who the fuck this was up to this. <laughs> and I ended up talking to him. And then the next couple days or day after that, I ended up getting a letter from the disciplinary board asking me to whatever. Uh, uh, I'm potentially getting whatever. Somebody wrote a statement against me, blah, blah, blah. One thing I forgot to mention. The day after I had that, you know, come to Jesus moment from that kid, I also showed that video to my daughter, who was like 12 or 13 at the time. And she was like, Dad, I was, I was like, Dad, what do you think of this? She's like, Dad, you look like you're fucking high on crack. I'm like, I don't get high on crack. I get awesome on crack. And she was like, no, you look terrifying. And I was like, in that moment, <laughs> if I terrified my own daughter, I probably I terrified the kids in my class. You know, so that I wrote a heartfelt apology. Uh, sort of also summarizing that story and ended it with like, I don't get high or awesome on crack because I just say no to drugs, you know, you know, crime. And, anyway, so I got the letter from the school asking me or, or and I, when I read it, the, the, the claim or statement made against me, it was like, I devised it. It was somebody in my class who wrote that. Now, for me to fully learn from the entire experiences, I had to take every one of the allegations made against me to be true, like whether, like if they wanted to, like, even though I know for a fact, this person was fully aware of the assignment, fully aware of what I was up to. The fact that we actually sat about it and talked about it in class and for her to throw out this letter, which was masterfully worded, I must add, she did a great job. But she also went through my entire digital footprint and like, uh, and, and just now if she was willing to, say she didn't give the most generous representation of me in this sort of written statement. And like I said, to be fair, if my character, you know, sou sou you know soured the, the bowl, it, it's like I have to take accountability for that. So I, my written defense that I pushed back and gave to the, uh, to the administration or the disciplinary board, like I, I got off. This girl used my entire digital footprint, misaligned me in a way that was really rough. Said that you know my blog had racist manifestos where I used the N word, and in my written statement, it's like I use multiple words with the begin with the letter N. Like, I'm not afraid to say Voldemort out loud in front of the disciplinary board because once again, it's like take it for what it is. You know? <laughs> um, and yeah, I I got off. I'm still here. I'm about to goddamn graduate, and I'm very thankful for that. And it, it was truly, that was the best test I had of my entire education while still in. You know, my greatest professor was the girl who I know hates me because whenever I would see her out at the bar afterwards, she would like revile. Like, like I could tell. Like, Man, it was so good. Oh, ah, the, the best end to success, you know? And I wish that person well. I wish her well. Now watch this. Sorry, what'd you say? You what'd you say? You no, it's all good, man. What'd you say your degree's in? Philosophy, Again? philosophy, man. So what? What the fuck is next, brother? After this, this degree, I want to buy a thirty-five to forty-foot sailboat, dock it in Puerto Rico, and then it's the pirate's life for me. I'll take people out on little 
fishing trips during the daytime, regale them with stories of war, wax philosophically, and then shit, pirates off the starboard bow, have some role players come in, and I'll spare no expense. They'll smell like rum, be a little rapey, and then we'll fucking fight them off, you know, or maybe just like bust out some guns and shoot at some sort of targets I throw out there. Uh, win, the, win the fight, find a treasure map, come on back to goddamn land, and then, whoa, shit, dig two feet, couple wine bottles, the treasure is setting in front of us, you know, the beautiful sun. And, uh, like, that's the dream. That's where I would ultimately end up. But, uh, I don't know. I might fucking just get a finance job because I got to start making money because I got a lot of kids. And so I get uh, them off, you know, the books. I, I, uh, you know, the dream may have to wait. But we'll see. Dude, I, I actually really like what you just said by the business mind, I think Patrick too, because we thought of all these ideas to do uh, scenario based. I don't want to say training, but just events, right? Like, yeah. like, ah, oh, you want to go take down a bank, come out with some soft guys. We'll let you plan to take down this bank. We're going to go take this bank out. That would be fucking rad to do some kind of pirate. You know, you got an op for an op four team with like flintlocks and fucking goddamn Malamute swords and shit, like jumping on yeah. the fucking bow of the boat. That would be fucking bad. And they're just sitting there drinking wine and eating crackers, and they're like watching it go down. You know, yeah, you know, you'll be a part of it. It's like, and also go after the pirates who want to fight. You could make them Vikings. You could make them Somalis. You could make them who the fuck knows. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mongolian pirates. Yeah. I think Puerto Ricans may be more cool with blackface as well. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! Oh, dude, I love oh, it. Lord. So, so hey, man, let's let's jump back a little bit. So you you get out of the Marine Corps. I know you were a recon instruct, instructor for a little while. That was your was that your last deal before you got out? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oddly enough, after I got kicked out of the Special Operations Battalion for being belligerent and like. That type of stuff. They sent me to go be an instructor at BRC. They sent me to go train nice. <laughs> recon marines. <laughs> and, and, and then I think at the very end, I got out of first force. And then, you know, that was it. But I didn't deploy with them. So it's like, I don't rep that at all. It's like, it's very hard for me to like, like I was a part of first recon for a time, but it's hard for me to like, I can't own it the same way that I do second. Yeah. Well, uh, gotcha. When were you, when were you instructor at BRC, man? 2000. Nine to 2011. Yeah, somewhere around there. Guy, you know Bobby Restaino? Yeah, he was actually my ARS instructor. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, <laughs> he was a second dude, then he was a BRC for a long time too. Uh, yeah, instructed, he so. yeah, like kind of stop laws them into the instructor build for forever. Yeah, so yeah, he talked about that. He was like, he's a, he's a little bit salty about being there for so long. I can see why. I mean, if you want to fucking go get your murder on, it's like it is. And also during that time when they first made the transition over the combined schoolhouse, it's like they were forcing yep. guys through. So that really sort of ruins your sort of esprit de corps and like what you value about being a fucking recon marine. When you got fucking cheese dicks sliding through or, or pushed the fucking through the door. You know, there was a couple times at graduation. I didn't shake a motherfucker's hand because I didn't fucking respect them. You know, but at the same time, for me to sort of like marry those two different things, uh, it's needs of the core, time of the war. Uh, right. And like, even though a guy might have not been the best 
fucking student at the schoolhouse did not mean that he didn't go on to do fucking amazing work. And I, my biggest regret in my Marine Corps career was not fully embracing my time as an instructor because I looked at my time as an instructor as just a fucking punishment because I wanted to be out in the goddamn fucking bush fighting. And I saw my time as an instructor as not like as a time to really I also, yeah, I, I didn't see it as a, as, a, as a time to really develop the Marines. Although I did my best, I, I, I still, I was, I wasn't at my best. And uh, it's like yeah, when I think yeah. of recon Marines that went off and fucking died overseas or got mangled, it's like I like, I was like, could I have done something different that could have prevented that? You know, I, I, how could I have been a sharper, uh, a sharper fucking instructor at the time? So it's like that's that's my biggest sort of regret in the Marine Corps. Uh, or, or about my service in the Marine Corps. So you <clears throat> you got out in uh, 2011? 2012, I believe. Yeah. Okay. It's like because like, it was like March 2012. Yeah. So was your what was your big next step after that? Uh, I went. Well, drug addiction and alcoholism was my next big step. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, uh, I, I, I fumbled for a little bit, like, because I lost, besides from getting out of the Marine Corps, I got divorced. So I lost, like, and my, my children were my world at that point in my life. And so I lost my identity as a Marine. I lost my identity as a father. You know, it's like the marriage was never good. So it's like I was happy to get that fucking yoke off my back. But it's like I just fell into nothing. And also, like, I did prep a little bit. As I was getting out, like I started doing some, I, I started lining up contract work stateside where I was training uh, Navy Spec Warfare. Uh, and then I also was involved with a company called Go Ruck for a time, uh, helped get that yep. off the ground in the beginning. And then it's like after I was fully out of the Marine Corps, it's like uh, apparently some fucking admirals were on the takes. So they were signing all sorts of contracts. It was fucking going out of style. And like when the naval investigations went through, they're like, all right, these fucking admirals have been pocketing kickbacks. So now all contracts are fucking cut and it, for a rebid process. So that work I had lined up disappeared, you know. Uh, eventually I had a, a my own sort of falling out with uh, the GORUCK people. So I lost that job as well. And then I just was fucking scrambling to get something going put in a fucking packet to go work for the state department as a whips protective agent because of my, you know, special operations background and then started contracting. So it's like, it's like I was at, at that stage in my life. It's like the, the scene in the movie where the motherfucker wakes up fucking bottles everywhere. He makes a fucking smoothie with a pizza from last night, you know, and then just like some fat piece of shit. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden I get worked up and then I, I deploy, and then the only things I would do on deployment were lift weights, lift weight weights, and read books, and also stack cash. And then, so I come home jacked and fucking smart as hell with a pocket full of greenbacks, spend half my money on drugs and women, and waste the rest. And then, by the time I'm ready to fucking deploy, I'm fucking fat and gross, broke as shit, and, <laughs> and like I'm going back to war just so I could fucking maintain that lifestyle, you know? And, and I'm very, yeah, yeah. like, uh, she, she was 
we didn't get along well as a husband and wife, but she's been an amazing ex-wife. She's allowed me to have access to my children as much as I wanted. And like also part of the reason why I went that route was it's like I I'll never get full custody of my kids, you know, that's not gonna happen. But I'll get like large chunks of time. Like I, I can give my kids experience and opportunity, you know? And then after a little bit of time working in the State Department, I jumped contracts and I started working in the uh, other government agencies. Uh, and that was more money, fucking more freedom in how I deployed and when I wanted to deploy and shit like that. So that really helped my lifestyle and uh, ended up fucking falling in love with the, the dancer, following her down to Brazil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then we were supposed to come back to the States and get married, but then Obama had pretty strict fucking immigration issues and stuff like that. Anyway, one of those agents fucking denied our visa. So then we were separated by an ocean in time. And I found like in relationships, when you are apart, you grow apart. And no matter how much you may love or care about somebody, it's just like the, the time apart yeah. is damage. It's told. So, yeah. But, I, I can relate to so, so much of what you said. Go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean I could just ramp, keep rambling, but uh, but it, if you, I'll leave the floor open if you want to fucking add however you like. <laughs> well, me being a fellow GRS guy, man, I was an Iraq guy. Um, what was your call sign again? Shameless. Shameless. Yeah, I have heard, <laughs> I've heard stories of Shameless. I was Twilight. I didn't choose mine either. But uh, for me, maybe I would like your viewpoint on this. Uh, GRS fucked me because we had chefs we had the best <laughs> the best dudes it was uh, it was the first time it wasn't just seals it wasn't recon it wasn't marsoc it was all of tier one tier dudes post-war post well post-war post-fucking military in this you know job now that pays 20k a month uh we're all like kind of happy for the most part like I enjoyed that time probably the most at any job I ever had. And it was the easiest job I ever had with moments of sheer terror for sure. But it set the bar so high that when I got back to the States, it's just like nothing compares. And you did it fucking, you know, three years longer than I did. Like it, it set the bar so high for me that like coming back, dude, I remember when I first quit, I'm like, dude, I'm just going to work for fucking Uber and go to school. And it was the first time the war for me stopped, you know, like Marine Corps, State Department, GRS, and then in 2016, I'm like, I'm going to go try to be a normal fucking human being again, and I'm delivering fucking young Marines from SOI to the bars, and I'm like, dude, it's a huge identity issue, brother. So I wondered how eight years of GRS, seeing behind the curtain, I look at the flag quite differently now after fucking five years of the agency. So how post-GRS has that been, especially now that you're older, looking back on it? Mm. Well, uh few different things with, with my experience at GRS was like it was very cool working with the different special operations communities you know and right. but they, you have your Navy SEALs long hair surfer boys who live at the beach everybody wants to suck their dick because they're the captain of the football team and they got plenty of daddy's money you know so it's like just like uh, and then you got your uh, army rain uh, army SF which are like you know strong sound type beard uh, flannel shirt, but since their their primary mission is FID, these are not the droids you were looking for. And then Recon and Rangers are pretty much the same. You know, like Star Cross. Yep. I just wandered into a different thing. 
but the difference is this like we're both drunken gunfighters who fuck fat chicks but like the marines got <laughs> <laughs> and the rangers are assault infantry so it's just like swirl like uh, 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 ranger 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 so, <laughs> um and then pjs and tac peas they went to a prep school with a bunch of hot chicks and like you know so, like, it's a different it's a different animal um uh, the, to what you said about, I, I, I have nothing but love for my time for what I did, but ultimately why I walked away was, well, one in terms of identity and like what helped me walk away. I got really big in the Jordan Peterson around 2015, 2016. And okay. uh, I did is like, you know, you're the self-writing course and things like that. So it's like, it's like, and he said, when you're preparing to leave a job or a profession, like what you have to do is you don't just fucking quit your job and go off and do something new. You have to find something or develop something that's that's comparable. It's something that uh, give you the same sort of purpose, drive, and goal. So at, for a time, it may feel like you're doing two jobs at once. So uh, while I was overseas, I decided to apply to Columbia because Columbia has the largest veteran uh, program in all the Ivy Leagues. Like it, they're, and they're very proud mm-hmm. of it because like they started the program called the GS program after World War II, uh, 1946. So that way they could, A, bring living history into the classroom. It's like, like you want to hear about the fucking battle of, you know, Iwo Jima? I was there, you know, and like in the classroom. And I've actually had those moments in class. When I was at the Jordan Peterson speech yesterday, the John Jay Society was like debating whether belligerence is in the nature of man. And they were talking about war, but all fucking theoretically. I got up there and actually told him it was like to fucking go to war. Why I went, why I stayed, why I left, you know. And the and and so that's that's what the the school gets out of having uh, veterans. And and as a, as a result of recently, there's been a large push for other Ivy League schools to develop their uh, develop their uh, veteran presence. Um, so that's cool. Uh, and also. Uh, to be able to get out of the contracting world and also to try to sort of bridge the gap and bring my girlfriends to the States while I lived in Brazil, I was uh, trying to get, if I'm going to school and I have my pension from the Marines, McQueen, fucking chill out. It's my dog. She's being a pain in the ass. Anyway. Uh, 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 if I work that out so that they can, well, I have something that gives, like, I'm climbing a different tree. Get the fuck away. Clock! Oh, now you're ripping shit out of the wall? Come on. Anyway, yeah, if I have something that's giving me purpose and drive in a different direction, then I'm going to follow it, you know? And uh, I got accepted to Columbia, and on my last deployment, I think it's the weird thing is when you're in an engagement process, it's almost like a pressure cooker, you know, because like you're, you're if you really take your next step seriously, you are like there's going to be a change in your identity and all that other type of shit. Because we had spent so much time apart, she fucking broke and like she just fell apart, and then we ended up breaking up. But it ended up being better for her in the end because she went back to her parents for a while. She had been a little bit alienated from them. And she started a new life. Like she lives in Ibiza right now and is married to some rich guy. So I, I'm she's she's doing well, uh, and I'm doing well. Too. 
I, mean, I, I cannot complain about my life and where it's taken me. And so uh, the identity issue, it wasn't hard to give up because like I left the identity of being like, you know, special operations, fucking tough guy or bunch of money, Rolex, fur coat, you know, whatever. I'm a white Kanye West. Uh, and, and, uh, but now it's like, Ivy League student, you know, that's to me, they're, 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 that, that holds something. And it's like, once I fucking, you know, finish with this shit and, you know, have a master repercy, uh, you know, like a math, you know, the ability to smell my own farts and being able to fucking detect the, the notes of cheese and shit. Like that's when I, like, it's like, all right, I can move on to the next thing and whatever it may be. I just don't want to be told to go sit in color by motherfuckers who think they're smart, you know, just cause you came from one of these schools like you have to listen because actually this last point another reason why i decided to come back to school or come to this school to me it's in the heart of the west the financial capital of you know the western world it's a it's a, it's a top tier organ like institution and if i am here i could cause some goddamn trouble you know to me the, the real threat to america wasn't on a foreign battlefield it was on the american college campus and in the fucking, in New York City. So that's where I wanted to fucking go and do battle. And I'm at war to this day, you know. <laughs> a, a, good, a good friend of mine, a recondo, uh, by the name of Matt Wilson, uh, graduated from Columbia not long ago, man. Oh, nice. um, in the last two or three years. I need to connect you too, man. He's a recondo turn himself guy with me. So yeah. uh, you, you, have, you two have a lot in common. Nate Smith? Nate. Yeah. Big Mormon motherfucker, blonde hair. Not like all Mormons have blonde hair. That's really narrow it down. <laughs> what's his last? What's his last name? One more time. Nate Smith. Nate Smith. I, Smith. He has a brother Garrett who's an officer. I don't, dude. I've heard about these guys. Yeah, I don't know them. Yeah, we can play the name game all day, and everybody else will have no fucking clue what's going on. So let's go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm definitely gonna connect you to the being Columbia grads. Uh, so how much longer you got before you uh, you graduate? I know you said you're getting close. So what do you – in the spring you graduate? Yeah, I got 19 credits to go. I'm knocking out 15 of them this semester. So next semester I only got to do four. And then that's uh, – then it's the pirate's life for me, ideally. Man, that's that's got to be – it's got to be I, – I don't know, man. Like especially from a prestigious school like that, dude, and everything you've been through in life, man, that's that's – that's quite the accomplishment. You know, most, most guys like us burn out real quick and not one of us thought we were ever going to live through any of those deployments yet. Yeah. Here we are, man. So you, you've earned every fucking cent of that. Um, is there, is there somewhere, I know where you're at now, but is there somewhere in America, you know, if you do choose to stay in the States that you want to live? Uh, yeah, I still think America is the best place in the world. It's just parts of America don't feel like America anymore. Like, like I said, like, uh, to me, I'm, I'm going to where my community is. And, uh, the, the Lanham brothers, from what I hear, uh, are yeah, five, yeah. three or 400 acres in central Tennessee. And, uh, yeah, yeah they're going to start like Lanhamville and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Mike Clancy's already, uh, roped into that and he just moved. Yeah. There. He just, he just, yeah, he left last week, last Tuesday, with his fucking. What, what is this? What do you? What is it that you're talking about? Lanham Nashville. Bill. There's a group of re recon guys that have moved in the the Nashville area, man. So Mike and Brandon Lanham are two recon brothers. Uh, 
one of which was on a reality fuck he's a amazing musician and yeah some dudes are moving to fucking Brand. tennessee man <laughs> yep yeah so starting to start their own community part yeah part of the property will be like you know rented space so people can like make money off of it uh and then but they also want to have like housing and stuff like that like i'll live on engelbert avenue sadly that'll be the ghetto but <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, yeah it's it's uh smaller you know, communal living and like you can hold it fucking down. Shit ever gets too crazy. Yeah. There's a lot of people moving to Tennessee, man. There's a lot. Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. The West coast is on the fucking struggle bus, dude. Like San Diego, LA, San Francisco is not where you want to pack up your children and fucking move them into. Yeah. Well, oh, and it's it, not Tennessee. I like Florida. I'm a Florida man. I mean, I'm actually a, registered voter and license holder of Florida. So I'll go back to that. <laughs> I that's, I'm a New Yorker originally and I haven't, I haven't been home. I haven't been to the city in a while. And, uh, dude, it, from what you see on TV, it's, it looks like the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, immigration thing there is getting the best of the city. It's never, nothing's never as bad as it is, but I'll tell you this, New York city has gone straight downhill since, since whatever COVID kicked it. Like, I love New York up yep. until COVID. And then the post-COVID, even though things are back to what kind of what they were before, they're still at, they're still, it's still not as fucking cool. Homeless people are an issue. Uh, I, I I mean, I make sure my, my, I have a Rhodesian Ridgeback. When my girlfriend goes to the store, McQueen's coming with her. So it's, it's, it's fucking bad, you know? Uh, but to the thing about the uh, illegal immigrants, so I have a job right now contracting on the weekends where I go do red cell operations at the airport, try to hit like soft points where like, they bring in fuel and like food and all that type of shit. There is a spot where they're housing the immigrants on, you know, within the area around JFK. So uh, it's one of the facilities that I go check and try to like see what's going on. So it's like, there is, there is that large swell of people that is here and it's, but you can see how the fucking, governor and the mayor they're all whistling a different fucking tune now that they're actually having to deal with mass immigration you know it's oh yeah all those people on the border are racist assholes wait until you have fucking massive demographic sh shifts and people who don't fucking speak the language and only need social programs it's like yeah, yeah we're, right now new york is going to be spending like a fucking billion dollars in a year on illegal immigrants like when is our money just gonna fucking just be used as firewood or, you know, kindling or whatever, because I don't understand how we're able to print all this shit. And when it goes to it, it's, it's, it's beyond reason to be honest. So. Yeah. It's, it's insane what the city is spending on housing, food, the, the programs. And it, it, it's absolutely fucking blows me out of the water. How much they're pissing away on all that. Yeah. Well, I have a, I have a heart. You know, you don't want to see people fucking str struggle. And you know what? If someone was saying, hey, come to America, and even if you've got, if you're just a single dude, no family, and you know you can go up there and get a fucking handout, why, why not go? I, I, I get why they're coming. But the reality of sure. it is, it's, I, I, so I can't fault them for that. Well, I can fault the right. people in charge who are saying, come on in. Uh, and and then, then realize that it's just not going to work that way. And I hate because what the at the end of the day, 
These fucking politicians are using these poor people as fucking pawns yes. in their own support of political power games. And they use compassion and, and love and understanding as the fucking reason until they realize that shit don't fucking fly after a while. So it's like the people people like me who just tell the fucking truth and say they might not like what you might not like what the fuck I hear, but I actually have your best interest in goddamn mind. It's like uh, to me, a critic is your best friend as long as the critique is made in good faith. You know? So if you want to throw fucking yep. words at me that are just supposed to get me to shut the fuck up, it, 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 it's, I've seen what makes you cheer. I don't give a fuck about what you think of me. <laughs> dude, I, I, I caveat to that, dude. I got a job offer to, to bus these illegals, right, from the border from Texas to New York. And I've turned it down, dude. You know, at first I entertained it. Then I just thought of this is the human side of me of, of someone that walked goddamn near barefoot, jumped on trains from Ecuador to get to our border for that chance to potentially put some food and make a goddamn house. Like humans are, are all migrants. We're all we all seek to survive. That's where it's coming from, man. Right. Especially for, for our young kids. And I was just like, dude, I'm not going to drive these illegals to dump them even more in a foreign place in the Northeast where they do not speak the fucking language for the most part it, it, for a political game, dude. And I was just like, these poor kids are fucking sleepless and separated. And like, they're just like trying to fucking survive, dude. So it's like, I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that, dude. I, I'm not, I'm not down for that. I saw so, I, I'm on a fucking group on signal. We might be on the same fucking thing. I broke, I probably in there. I was like, I'd rather suck dicks to make rent and the fucking, you know, run these motherfuckers through. I, I know the exact yeah. thing, though. I feel the same way. Couldn't pay me enough. Not doing it, dude. Imagine me as a bus driver or just security sitting in that bus and looking up in the mirror and seeing, you know, malnourished, tired, scared, you know, Latinos, Latinas, like, fucking afraid. Fucking, they left the only life they know to go explore this new realm to better their life. And now you're in this political cat and mouse, like, tug of war and i'm just like it's fucking mind-boggling and i see the point i see the fucking point on the red side you got this is how you fucking like it here you go but still these guys are being used as pawns and it, it makes me sick dude i'll say this see, that's the paint them in that sort of pathetic paintbrush because from what i've heard a lot of the people coming across the border are also west africans uh yes it's like they're from it's a whole entire mixed bag and it's like yes it is something like I know in Europe, I think it's 92% of the illegal immigrants are male, you know, like, so it is, it, it, and I, I'll say this, if you're on the fucking inside of the border and you're on a fucking bus going somewhere, you're probably pretty, a little bit happy. And I'm not, once again, I'm not hating them for being happy. I'm not hating them for being here. I'm thinking like, I, I would prefer it if our fucking $150 billion that's going to goddamn Ukraine went to these countries that maybe like. Actually, no, fuck that. But I'm just saying, I think it would be better spent in fruitful lives with those people in their countries of origin than it would be for killing people. You know, like I. So that that's the thing, man. Is like the problem with the problem with legal immigration and illegal immigration is the people that come into this country legally and go through the process. There's there's a plan. There's preparation. There's 
a thought process behind it. They've, you know, put money aside. There's, there's a structure to their movement and integration into our society, whether or not those people ever sort of fully integrate. And I don't, you know, you be you, you don't have to fully integrate into a society. You know, you can go into, if you're Vietnamese, you can go to freaking you know, Garden Grove and Little Vietnam and never freaking not have to speak your language or whatever the case may be. But when you don't really have a plan, you don't have money set aside, you know, you've paid somebody to sneak you across the border. Now you're across the border and you, again, there's no preparation. There's no real plan. There's no structure to it. Now, just like, just like we see every day, all those people now are required support from the taxpayers. They require support from this country and, you know, they're fucking sitting out on the sidewalk. They don't have a job. They don't have money. They don't have any way to support themselves. And that's doing a disservice to our country. It's doing a disservice to the taxpayers and it's doing a disservice to these people that every time they show them on the news, sitting around these fucking hotels, sitting on the sidewalk, it's like, or sitting in, in, you know, Texas, just sitting out on the street with no place to go. It's like, you probably had a better life where you were before, you know, you probably had a roof over your head potentially and people spoke your language and there was a, a process for being able to make money. But it's just, it's crazy, man, that, that this stuff and exactly like you were saying, Bo, these people are pawns and they're just being used to, you know, forward somebody's freaking agenda. And it's, it's fucking totally ridiculous. So we got we got to talk we got to talk about the artwork you got going on here, man. What's that one directly uh, behind your left shoulder, dude? Oh, this painting of Kanye West. Uh, no, it's a. Uh, I, I don't know the lighting how it's gonna go, but I got the Austrian painter in the outfit of uh, Kanye that he wore on Alex Jones. I got some Klaus Schwab in the background, and then like. Uh, some Anthony Fauci. The lighting's not the best, but you know it is what it is. I've got a, a vaccine card for uh, Jack. There's some interesting things that are said about that, and then some white girl sucking a black dick in front of you know in front of Hitler, which is fun. Uh, and I think it's like Fifty Cent turned up to the side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some sort of like, was that was that on your uh, uh was that on a weekend or did you do that for a course no yeah i just do that from time to time i like take some mind-altering substances to expand my consciousness and freaking just, <laughs> just get busy with my paints so i do a lot of there you well, go what, what's the big one right behind you uh this one david yeah it's like a play on david bowie and you know Mike, Michelangelo's David. Oh, nice, nice. And then oh, nice, yeah. And then I got a self portrait so, back here, which I have a character called the Rich White Republican hashtag RWR, <laughs> and it's got all my favorite vices on here, you know, and uh, women, you know, Rolexes, fucking money. The the all the red was done in my blood, and then <laughs> what's interesting about this piece is I took a gram of cocaine and I mixed it in the paint. So that when you own it, you own a granite cocaine, and if you sell it, it's technically a felonious drug deal. So I call that one a felony. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious, dude! Holy shit, that is fucking badass, bro. Thank you. 
Dude, I love it. You, you need you need these you need to get some frames for these things. I, I want to see one of these at like some fucking shitty goddamn Chewbacca coffee shop somewhere, oh, dude. Where everyone looks angry, and uh, it, it's got a much more of a presence when you see it in person. I'm also thinking about doing prints of the of the felony, and then just do like prints, and then take my blood. And mix some drugs into that. I'll probably take the drugs first, and then take draw my blood and whatever. And I walk by with a spray gun bottle, and just that way it all has the same thing, just not from the original, you know. But that's sort of my there you go. Scheme. Oh, but I've got actually a really good one I've been working on. I think you're really gonna appreciate. It. I'll be right back shortly. All right, check this bad oh. Larry out. This is uh like the fucking London. Yeah, it's the pixelation as well. That's yeah. a good painting, dude. But it's uh so if you notice, it's the the trans flag, four of them. At, at I see the angle. I, I see. Uh, oh, hold on. So I see the Pennsylvania fucking buffoon, bottom left. Yeah. I see. Is that Feinstein's ass that just died yeah. today yes, or yesterday? And it's old, yeah. And oh. it's Sleepy Joe. And then you got those Sleepy. big titties, Nancy Pelosi. I'm trying to figure out where who to put in the, the final space. My my bad, Mitch McConnell, just to add a little bit of balance between the left and the right. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit! No, dude, that is... no, I got it. I got it. It's one of these two guys. <laughs> it's either Newsom or Trudeau because I get them very confused. Well, Newsom's American at least, and he's going to be the next president. I think that's that's my bet. Yeah. Newsom Newsom would be a good way to top. Top that fucking Christmas tree of chaos right well, there. Well, absolutely right. And he'll be sitting right next to his aunt, Pelosi. So there we go. Oh is that his aunt? Yeah. Yes. Is that his aunt? Yeah, it's his aunt. Yep. God, fucking kingdom, brother. It's a kingdom. But I did not disappoint. Dude. <laughs> Dude, when's your, when's your opening, man? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you got to... You had to get all your shit together, man. I need eight paintings in a series. And I'm thinking about having my series. I want to do a series called Biden Youth. And I'm going to take all Nazi imagery, but make it, you know, gay imagery. And then all the Biden Youth will be multiracial, fat, homosexuals, retards, whatever the fuck they may be. And you know, it'll be the standard bearers for the Biden Youth. Yeah. And then yeah, pick gorilla with it and slap up posters all around the fucking city. Because if I do a good job of that, then people are like, yeah, this is pretty fucking cool. What's this Biden you shit? It's like, because, you know, that's the best sort of fucking shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, people are going to be like, dude, I think Banksy was here. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> that ginger cunt. <laughs> I have no idea what that dude looks like, man. Apparently, he's some ginger from Bristol. I knew he was English. I did hear that. Yeah, hear yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Holy oh, shit, man. Fucking A, man. It's... Well, you got any other questions, Patrick? No, man. I'm. I've. I think we've hit all the fucking wickets, dude. Yeah. Excellent. Well, dude. Well, we dude. really appreciate your time, man, Bo. This has freaking been awesome. It's been fucking great to see you. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Jason's out out in uh, Florida. I'm out in California. I'm actually on the backside of Pendleton, over by uh, Temecula, Menifee area. So, nice. man, you uh, you get done with uh, New York, man. You got to come pay us a visit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've always got space in my apartment. Not a lot of space, but space for a brother. All you got to do is give me a heads up. Yeah, man. Even yeah, if not, you sleep on the goddamn floor, you know. 
Yeah. So for, for our listeners out there, what's a good way to get a hold of you, man, if they want to contact you for anything? Well, you know, I'm not trying to be famous, but uh, if they want to talk to me directly, fuck. Just check you got, you your, Instagram, your Instagram, right? Yes. What is your Instagram? Botox. Is it Botox? A-U-X-T-A-L-K-S. I was, I've never given that out on one of these types of things, but I don't give a fuck at this point. Why not? If you want, I'll throw it up in our description. Be like, hey, if you want to talk to uh, Bo about uh, commissioning a painting or fucking oh. doing some pirate shit, Actually, hit him up on Botox. And- fucking point. Thank you very much. I- so, yeah, man. There you no, go. No, there's a reason I brought that up, dude. You're, you're, you're going to have more supporters than you think. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, gents. And I miss yeah, you. This is actually really cool, especially to like to see how you guys know each other from like it's always cool. It always trips me out when I have friends that meet each other outside of me, you know. And <laughs> also my, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, fuck you know? <laughs> this has been Savage Actual. Jason and Patrick are two former special operations guys who interview interesting guests who talk about video games, airsoft, and military subjects. Basically, they drink a lot of beer, talk about shooter games, and have fun. What's not to love? We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And the fellas will be back soon. But in the meantime, find them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Savage Actual. Y'all be cool, and we'll see you next time.